We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. I'm going to to kind of deviate just a little bit from David today since we're getting closer to Easter, and I'm going to try to get more into uh, leading us up to and through and from the cross. And one thing I've kind of come to realize as I was talking about Wednesday evening, you're you're a part of a body. And when Cain was, you know, jealous of Abel, and Cain kills Abel. He looks at, the, he, God comes to him and says, what'd you do with, where's, where's, your, where's your brother? And he said, am I my brother's keeper? And I come to realizing that. And then after he thought he wasn't his brother's keeper, and the Bible says that Cain's name actually meant he was a tiller of the ground. So when God separated Cain from tilling the ground as a part of his, his curse for being disobedient, Cain's purpose, which was tilling from the ground, which was already inside of him, Cain wasn't able to do anymore. When you're not doing what is in you to do, that God has placed, the next passage of scripture says, Cain looked to God and said, I'll be a vagabond. I'll be a wanderer walking around this place aimless, not being able to be fulfilled. And then Cain becomes medicating on things to try to fulfill what really only the purposes that God placed inside of him could fulfill. Well, in the last couple of days, I've been driving around Huntington, Ashland, Ironton, was down in Charleston a little bit back before that. And have you noticed, I've never seen it like this before in my life, and maybe I'm wrong, but two o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the afternoon, Droves of people, six guys, three guys, four girls, three, walking the streets, everywhere they're going, you know, trying to find jobs, trying to get clean, trying to get here, trying to get an education, trying to get, and you're looking at all these thousands of people in all these cities, and it's all across the country, that are just wanderers. You know what I'm talking about? Just aimless trying to find something in life that's going to give them a fulfillment. Every one of them have burdens. Every one of them have issues. Every one of us have these, these, this tension that's on our, our shoulders. And I'll tell the story again, but there was a guy that I knew. I was in a prayer meeting one day, and as I was in this prayer meeting, I was... You know, I was overwhelmed with some issues that, that we were facing and just some things that, you know, some unfulfilled promises that people had made and, and all that. Here I'm subject to that and I'm sitting there kind of trying to a little bit feeling sorry for myself. So I had a few people come in my office. We were praying. And as I was standing there, I looked up and there was one guy that was there that was just, he couldn't even focus on what I was saying because he was so overwhelmed with his own issue. And I got thinking, man, he's not, he can't focus because I couldn't focus either because I had my own issues. And I'm looking at him, and I couldn't lift the burden off my shoulder. It was too big. And I looked at him, and you know, we were all going to pray, and I was just kind of pouring out my heart, and everybody was kind of ch- talking a little bit. And I looked at him, and he couldn't focus. It wasn't that he was bad or off. He just was overwhelmed with a situation in his life that he couldn't fix. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly right then and said, lift his burden. Calls him to sleep tonight. I have the power, influence, and authority and skill set to lift his burden. I don't have the power to lift mine, 
but I did have the power to lift his. And the Lord says, you're his brother, you're your brother's keeper. Lift his burden. And I wrestled with it a few moments thinking, man, I do not, I got my own problems. I do not want to take on somebody else's. Right? Because then you own it. It's good to be a consultant and an advisor on somebody else's life. Because you don't have to worry about getting in the nest. You know what I mean? It's out here. It's good to give counsel. Love it. High five when they leave and hope it all works out for you. Right? But what do you do when they're, they're beyond arm's length, arm's length relationships and their family? They're brothers. They're sisters. They're, they're relationships. They're, you're not, you're, it's not just blood. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you're in a, a, a community, a family. And you're looking and you're going, you weigh it out. Do I dive in? Which means a lot of work on your hands. Do I guide from a distance so I don't get blood, sweat, and tears on me? Or do I roll them up and say, we're in this together? Tough, isn't it? The Pharisees told them what they should do. But only Jesus went and got in the middle of it. Who's in your life that you could that's losing sleep? that you have the power, the authority, and the influence, the skill set, the knowledge to give them a night's sleep. We could preach hallelujahs and oh my, I feel the Lord. Who has the power? Who has the influence? And I don't think you have to go looking for somebody. God will bring them right in front of your face. Somebody you already know. Might be somebody real close to you. Habakkuk said this. He said, I saw a burden. He saw it. He caught a burden. Who are you catching a burden for? Praying for you. That's like waving at people on the highway. Got your back, man. Got your back. You should pray. 
You should pray because you want God to do something greater than what you could do. But sometimes God's saying, what can you do? Because when you can't lift your own burden, you have the power to lift somebody's. And somebody's got the power to lift yours. That's how the body works. You build a healthy body, active body, or build a fat, lady, lazy body. Milk, make you fat. Does the body good. Meat, protein, you gotta work it out. I'm not kind of a milky kind of guy. And exercise the body with faith involved in people's lives. I've gone to court for people, put my reputation on the line for people. Went and prayed in the middle of the night when it's five degrees below zero because a family and a husband, wife falling apart. But I'd love to have been staying right there in the bed. Not tooting my own horn. I'm just telling you, it's the body. And people expect pastors to do that. But pastors are expecting the body to do that. Fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to watch the pastors do the ministry. That's not what it says. To equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Are we good? Just getting ready for Easter. I'm excited about this. <clears throat> it's better to give than receive. We say that when it's offering time. What about when it costs you your time? What, what happens when it costs you a little bit of sweat? What happens when it costs you influence you don't know if it's going to turn out in your favor? You want me to make some more announcements? It'd probably be a lot easier today, wouldn't it? I don't have any more to make, so I've got to go right into this. I was speaking from my heart because <clears throat> I feel strongly that we're in a place, the body of Christ is in a place where we're... If you don't take your place, somebody's gonna take it for you. You have to get engaged and active. You're gonna have to take risks that you normally wouldn't take. You cannot sit back the last few years of your life or your career and coast. This is not a coasting environment. I'm not talking about just our church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. You just can't. You've got to start taking some risks. Let me ask you some questions. I got a sermon on John chapter 11. We may get to it, but let me just go ahead and talk to you for a minute, okay? Amen. 
just questions to consider. How many people this past week did you pray for? I'm talking about there was a need, you knew something was needed to happen in their life. I'm not talking about sitting at your office or your home and your bed and lifting them up in prayer, which is good. We need to do that. I'm talking about walking right up to them and saying, here we go, let's pray. What's well, really not my personality to do that kind of thing, people say, right? But you don't really have a choice. Someone walks up behind you and screams real loud or pecks you on the shoulder when you weren't expecting them and you make a loud shout. That wasn't your personality either. It's your, it's your burden. What burden are you carrying? And I'm not talking about your problems. I'm talking to the burden that you have that's for somebody else. Do you have a burden for sick people? Do you have a burden for people that are down and out? I have a burden for people that are entitled. I just do. People that feel like they're entitled to everything, I have a burden for them to get them up off themselves. I have a burden for that. Come on, you got to get up. There ain't nothing coming like that at you. You got to get up. I will carry this with you as you go forward. But you got to get up. You got to move. You got to be doing something. You got to be active. And I'm not talking about just creating a bunch of movement. I'm talking about what is the Lord telling you? What sect of society are you called? Are you in the business community? Are you in retail? Are you in military? Are you, what, what school? What, what uh, the why that you're in a social group at the why? What is it that you do? Who is your world of influence? And what burden do you have about that area of influence? Or is it, I'm doing the best I can to go forward in my career, to drive my career higher, to build a gain and for my family, to take care of my family, to build up a nest egg for my family, and you all those are all priorities and you should. But if you are only self-focused, you cut off the entire body from your life. The biggest thing to fill a hole in your life is to get what you have to somebody else. expression of Christ in everyday real life. That's what this is about. But sometimes we get so heavily burdened, which I was that particular day, I was so overwhelmed because things were just, everything that had already been in motion was falling apart that day, that day, that very day. And I'm going, this is ridiculous. So it was something I couldn't fix, but there were people around me that I could fix in their life that they couldn't fix. But if you're so overwhelmed with your own situation and you're so self-consumed about your own direction, you will be so self-absorbed that you'll forget everybody else around you and the thing the Lord wants to use you in their life to lift their lid, to help their solution, give them rest, give them peace, you'll be off of it. 
you missed your moment. You know what I'm saying? It helps us to become selfless as opposed to selfish. And if we're really living in the day where the kingdom is being very much inherited to the body, and I believe it is, I believe we're stewarding healing like we've never stewarded it before. I believe we're stewarding resources like we've never stewarded before. I believe we're stewarding peace like we've never stewarded before. We're stewarding relationships and relational activity like we've never stewarded before. God's trusting us with lots of things. And if we don't get it right on the selfless part, we'll miss the very thing that he's given us to build the covenant across the earth and to establish it. We'll utilize it for self-support and miss the very things around us. When's the last time you prayed for somebody that was sick? Really? was the last phone call you made that really was able to encourage somebody? Not just call them to find out what's going on, to encourage them to lift their lid. So there's this couple, Mary and Martha, had a brother named Lazarus. Mary was the one that had dropped the, so many pounds of oil on Jesus' feet, broke the box. Mary, the alabaster box lady, washed his feet with her tears, wiped them, dried them with her hair, and uh, was kind of known as a, not a good reputation across town. So Jesus was friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And one day the word came to Jesus in John chapter 11. And it said, Lazarus, your friend, is dead. Mary and Martha, which is where Jesus had had dinner one night at their house with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, gets this word that Lazarus has died. So Mary and Martha are just about to lose their mind because that's their brother, man. Their, their heart is just completely ripped out from itself. They don't know what to do. They can't fix it. They can't change it. But they know one that can. So the word gets to Jesus. They send a messenger to Jesus. And Jesus is a couple of days away from where they lived. And the word came and said, he's, Lazarus, your friend's dead. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, he's, 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 he's not dead. He's asleep. He's in rest. So they, disciples, say, oh, if he's just in rest, then why, are you, why do we have to even concern ourselves with this? Jesus had to really clarify for them. and said, no, he's really dead. But this isn't unto death. This is for the glory of God to be seen. You're going to see something guys, in your day, right now, 
that's going to blow your mind. Jesus looks at him and says, all right, let's go about our business. I want you to think about this. There was no, there was no quick response from Christ. He goes about his business a couple more days. Now, 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 now Lazarus is dead four days. Have you ever been in a situation where you've petitioned the Lord and you felt confident that he heard you? but he isn't moving as fast as you thought he should move? Right? Where are you in this thing, Lord? You know he heard you, but he's not answering. Oh, he's answering. It's just not the answer that you want. Nobody's there to pick up Mary and Martha's burden. Nobody. All they could console her, they could hug her and tell her how much they loved them and God, this is great. Martha finds that Jesus is headed this direction. Martha leaves the house and runs to meet him because she's a real aggressive lady. She's going to take matters into her own hands. She's going, well, if, I, if he ain't coming to me, I'm going to him. So she goes and talks to Christ, to Jesus. She says these words, if you would have only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. If you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have really been here physically, none of this stuff would have happened. We wouldn't have had to experience the feeling of loss if you'd have really been in the middle of our situation. You're not moving fast enough, and we don't have anybody around us that can lift our burden. Jesus says, where's Mary? So Martha runs back and tells Mary, I just saw Jesus. Mary's going, where is he? He's calling for you. Mary goes and runs to Jesus. Now, we're going to the one that can answer the prayer. He's the only one that can change that death situation. Nobody else can lift their burdens. So he goes to him. She, she runs to, to Jesus, and she says, hey. She goes, same words Martha said. If you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And all the people around Mary, because Mary was weeping and crying, and all these people around Mary were going, crying with her because her heart was broken because her, husband, her brother had just passed away. The Bible says even, the, the smallest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept. He was moved with compassion because her brother had died, his friend. But he never answered their prayer in the time they wanted it to be answered. It's in that point of time is when you're doubting, is it his will or is there something wrong with me? What have I done wrong? Have I not prayed long enough, hard enough, talked to the right people? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, well, we've all been here. God, do something. If you'd only been here in other words, he can't do it over there. He has to do it here. We've got him confined in our ideology of the way God always has answered because we've always looked at it the way he did it before. So we're trying to draw on something that he's always done in the past to get him to do something in the current when God's showing them, listen, I'm not even afraid of death. So Mary comes and begs him. If you'd, my brother had been here, you'd been, you'd, you wouldn't have died. 
Jesus comes, it's four days. You know the story, it's a very common one. Lazarus is wrapped in some grave clothes, stinking in a grave. Jesus comes over, don't you think about this. Jesus comes to that grave and he begins to pray to the Father. And then he says something like this. Now I'm only praying that you hear me because I know you hear me always. But I'm only saying that so they'll know that you hear me always. Even when it doesn't look like I'm answering their prayer or you're hearing me, I know you're hearing me. Even when it looks like you're not moving on my behalf, I know you're up to something bigger than my behalf. Even when I've got this myopic, this real clear view of what I think it should be, if you'd only been here, my, my, my brother wouldn't have died. No, God, God's saying, I'm not trying to prevent things from happening. I'm trying to take those things that happen and turn them for your good. So I can expound your position of, and your view of life bigger than how you've always got me in this little box. Because see, what they didn't know is it's necessary that I go away. If you think I had to be here to heal him and to turn this thing for good, when I go away, you'll think it's over and never, nothing can ever change. Because what I'm doing is I'm showing you that there's coming a day that I won't be here physically to lift your burdens. But somebody around you will have the power to do exactly what I'm showing you right here. So when you think I'm not answering your prayer and it looks like I'm delaying it, Quit introspectively looking at everything and examining everything because you wanted me to do it the way you think I should do it. I'm doing it bigger and better than the way you ever thought I could do it. But I'm going to show you a different way that I cannot be here physically, still come on the scene, and still change death. So he comes back. He looks up at the the people, everybody is watching him. Now, here's what I was talking about earlier. Jesus wasn't following the Pharisees. The Pharisees were following him. Your adversaries, your bystanders, those that are watching you will follow you just one time trying to find a way to trip you up. So Jesus extended the game. I'll show him. I'll wait till the guy's stinking. I'll wait till it looks like there's no possible way this thing could turn around. I'll wait till even the church writes it off. I'll wait till they close the chapter, start building the next chapter of their life, and I'll still come back and do something. Yeah, I'll turn it around for you. I don't care if they thought you were the, that divorce was gonna take you out and you would never get another relationship. I'll wait till you're alone so long that everybody just begins to think that's the way it's gonna be and one day I'll resurrect that thing. I'll, I'll wait till you have nothing else to spend and you can't spend anymore and there's nowhere else to get anymore to spend and I'll wait till you get to that place and everybody's gonna count you out and I'll come in there with two fish and five loaves. Don't think I can't do it. But I want to be an example for you, he's saying, 
Because I'm not always going to be here in the physical flesh, Jesus said. And if you get a, a picture that it has to be me, you wait till I come back and return to take the church before you get any of the promises of the kingdom when I've given those to you now. You'll be waiting on something to happen. You keep waiting on something if you would have only been here. And Jesus is going, I got to get this inside of you. The disciples, you have to catch what I'm saying. I'm putting a power inside of you because the scripture goes on. Josh, John 11, John 12, John 13. I am the vine. I'm, you're the, the, I'm the, the, the fruit or the branches. I'm, he's the vine. I'm the, the branch. You're the fruit. He goes through this whole power about talking about how the spirit begins to work inside of a person. Why? Because he says, it's necessary that I go away. So this isn't just John 11 and a whole different story in John chapter 20 and 21. He's teaching them a series of events leading up to his cross, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And he's trying to get the, the people of God that follow him to recognize this is not like you think it is. Death isn't final. The loss isn't the, 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 the end. I want to show you how I think because I'm going to place this burden on you. And if you're always looking for something to happen when you think I'm silent, it's up to you and the earth to initiate, to create. And you'll do it because I'm in you. You won't do it independent of me. I'll do it through you but it will be you doing it. So he comes and he stands at the tomb and he looks at him from a distance and he's watching all the people. He's got his church disciples that are sitting there going, my God, he stinks. What's he doing? They're weighing it out because they love him so much that they see the Pharisees over here from a distance watching him going, well, they're just waiting to get him. I know what they're thinking, the disciples. What if it don't work? We've never seen him do this one before. This is a new one. There's no frame of reference here. Five lo five, two fish and five loaves, yeah, we can go with you there. Raising that girl from the dead, okay, she was dead just a few moments. We can go with you there. Healing Peter's mother-in-law's rebuking the fever and the migraine and all the things that went with that. Yeah, we can go with you there. But this one is beyond repair. This one's way beyond repair. If you'd only been here, this wouldn't have happened. How much time do we spend in our life trying to prevent things from happening rather than utilizing the faith to go through things that happen? If he only becomes the event, then the resurrection is an event. But if he's with you through the process of the loss and you see him on the other side of the gain, you'll trust the resurrection as him, not the event. He looked at them and she said, do you think I could, he said, if you'd, did I tell you if you'd only believe, you'd see the glory of God? Yeah, but Jesus, it's been four days. 
I have the faith to believe if you'd have been here, you could have prevented it. I believe you could have healed him from his sickness. But this is too far gone. Didn't I tell you if you'd only believe, you'd see the, the glory of God? Well, I can resurrect. Do you believe he'll, he'll live? He'll resurrect? She said these words. Yeah, I believe he'll resurrect in the last day when you resurrect your church at the event. I believe you're going to resurrect. Yeah, at the event. Yes, he's coming. Yes, he's coming back to life. I believe at the event. Jesus says, get your mind off the event. I am the resurrection and the life. You've got this picture in your mind at the way life is. And you think my job is to get you out of all your trouble. My job is to get you in and through and out so you can see me in every aspect of your life. I might lead you into trouble. What? You, you, Jesus is going to lead us into trouble? Oh, yeah. How's that to be the disciples? There wasn't any sin there. Come on, guys. We're going, where are we going? We're going in here because they're going to kill me. And guess what? You are going to be pressured. You're going to feel the pressure and the pain because you're going to feel my burden. He'll give you a vision. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a job. He'll give you a calling. He'll give you something in your heart that calls you to go forward. And then he'll harden the hearts of the enemy so you won't get above yourself. So he can work a bigger plan than just your little picture and your little two or three people involved. It was bigger than Lazarus. It was bigger than Martha and Mary. It was bigger than the twelve. It was bigger than the Pharisees. He had an entire city and region watching what was about ready to take place. So what he said was this. He said, Mary Martha, I can't lift my burden. I can't lift Mary's burden. Mary said, I can't lift Martha's burden. My brother Lazarus is dead. The disciples don't know what to do. They're just following you along like a couple of puppets on some strings. They don't know what to do. They, they're, they're worried because they're watching the Pharisees. They love you and they're afraid the Pharisees are going to come after you, the religious people. Now you've got a, a crowd and a trap. Now all eyes are on you. And the Lord says, I am the resurrection. I hear the burden. I feel the burden. He wept. And he looks down and he says, I'm going to paraphrase. You don't think I can take you from prison? Even though you thought I would never let you get there? And now you had to go through prison and I'm going to take you up out of that prison and I'm going to resurrect your life as if you never went through prison. But you thought all along I was going to keep you from going through the fire, but I'm going to take you through the fire. So on the other side of the fire, I'll show you on this side of the fire that I am the resurrection. If you only know me as keeping you from it, you'll never know me on the other side. If you only know me to prevent the ashes, you'll never know how I could take the ashes and build something. If you only know me as how to repair your marriage, you'll never know me as I can repair it and get and restore your life after a divorce. After you had, I can keep you from the affair, but if I didn't keep you from the affair and you went through the affair and the process is going on and on and on, and on the other side now you've got a restored marriage, you would never be grateful for me like you can wait for me now. You have a soft spot in me now and for me now that you would have never had 
if I'd have kept you from your fire. Job said it this way. For 41 chapters, I heard about you with my ears. But now, my eyes see you. See, if he only bails you out on the front end and keeps you from it, bails you out and keeps you from it, you hear about him with your ears. But once you've gone through the valley of the shadow of death and you come out on the other side, you fear no evil. Because what you know now about him, what you've seen with your own eyes, your own living experience cannot be compared to somebody over here trying to tell you something different. Over here, it's something you could tell. But when you go through the fire and you come over here, it's something you've lived. There it's kind of head knowledge. And, and, and you're appreciative. But over here, it's in the fabric of who you are. You can't separate it from you. Because you've got the life of Christ inside of you. So he looks at the stone and with a loud cry, Lazarus, come forth. What's this? Do you believe Lazarus was alive when he said it? I believe he was. I believe Lazarus came, came alive. Here was the problem. There was still a stone in front of him. Jesus did what he could do that man can't do. Bring life. But then he looked at the man and he said, roll the stone away. Remove the burden. Move the burden. No, here's what we do today. Lazarus, come forth. Are you alive in there? Must not, must not happen. Must not, nothing, something must have gone wrong. Say it again. Let's get three, two, where two or three gathered together in his name. He's in the midst. If we come together in agreement, he, he pray, the prayer of agreement. Lazarus, come forth. You can't hear anything. Nothing's moving. Nothing's changing. Why? Because we're out here. God's doing something on the inside of the earth that you can't see. And the only way you're gonna see is if somebody else begins to get involved in removing the burden. And what we do as a church, we're going, yeah, God, you in there? Lazarus, come forth. We're praying for him. Here's the thing. Must not, it must not be God's will. Lazarus is alive inside that tomb. And you can't see him or hear him because there's burdens all over him. He's wrapped in grave clothes and there's a stone in front of him. And you can't see him or hear him, but the church goes, the disciples are going, God, I don't know what's happening. Lazarus must have, he must have had sin in his life. Must be his parents. But, because Mary, we know Mary was a, a prostitute. We know that. She, remember she was a sinner. One day they were supposed to get in the, in the house of Simon. 
And she brought the, and the disciples are over here gathering together. You know they're going, they're making, they're having to have, they have to reason in their mind and, and have to have a reason why it's not working. And Jesus looks at him and says, my job is to bring the life. Your, your job is to remove the burden. Roll the stone away. Who? You. You. They roll the stone away. There's Lazarus, alive, still wrapped in grave clothes, bound up in things, stinking. And he didn't go in, Jesus didn't go in and say, well, let me just take these off, start spinning. He stands back, he's already done his job. He brought life. He changed the situation. And he said, unwrap him. He's wrapped in bondage. You unwrap him. You're looking to me and to unwrap him, but you unwrap him. I'm bringing life. You unwrap him. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna take your time. You're gonna to have to get involved. You're gonna to have to get the smell of stink on your hands whether you like it or not. You're gonna to have to hold your nose carrying somebody else's burden. You're gonna to have to carry somebody else's burden in the staunch of life and death. It's not your job to give life. It's God's job to give life. It's your job and my job to remove the burden. Amen. Oh, this is good. Amen. This is good. So while you're over here holding and we're over here holding on our old churchy feel, the world is saying, where are you all? Amen. Where are you? We're dead, vagabonds, aimless, walking the streets of your cities and your neighborhoods, causing ruckus and, and, and causing all kinds of crime and all kinds of, and we're just dying and decaying on the inside. We're like zombies, dead men walking, walking around, not even knowing where we're going. Aimless, looking for somebody to give us a direction. But the church is over here, not wanting to get their hands dirty. And if you won't get your hands dirty on your brothers and your sisters, you're not gonna get your hands dirty on people walking on the west end of Huntington. If we don't have the courage to pray for our neighbor and our brother and our sister and remove the burden, yeah, it ain't happening. Oh my, I feel this, this is right. Next chapter says, Jesus was in the, eating a meal with Lazarus. People came just because Jesus was eating a meal of Lazarus after he raised him from the dead. There's your outreach program. See, we're trying to provide what only God can do. And we're thinking God's gonna do his part and our part. God's gonna bring the life, but you're gonna have to release the burdens. And you're gonna to have to extend 
your circle from this little radius of convenience of your wife and your husband and your kids and your grandkids and your maybe your grandparents and you're out here and you feel good. You don't mind being inconvenienced in this circle. But what are you gonna do when God says, I'm enlarging your territory? And are you willing to get dirty, stinky? To remove the burdens, unwrap the, unwrap the grave clothes. Because whether you know it or not, there's already life in there. God heard you the first time you prayed. But if somebody hadn't removed those stone and removed those grave clothes, Lazarus would have been alive, but still bound. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna do something real quick because we're gonna close. Pat Cole, would you mind to come up front if you don't mind? I hate to do this to you in front of everybody, but I'm going to. Come on up front. Just right here in the front if you don't mind. Pat's been believing God for a healing on his, on his feet. Who's got the faith to believe that God wants to heal his feet issue? Then call for the elders of the church and the people who have faith come up here and I want you to come up and pray for Pat at his feet I want to see his feet heal is that okay now it's God God brings the healing the life but you got to remove the burden He couldn't stand up more than just a couple of songs before a couple weeks ago and he got prayed for and now he's able to stand up throughout the the whole praise and worship and enjoy it. Let's pray. As they're praying, I'm gonna pray for you as we dismiss. I'm telling you, the Lord is doing something bigger than you ever thought, thought he could. This is no time to be disengaged. It's every time to be engaged. You've got to get in the game. But you, and you have every reason not to. There's so many reasons why you shouldn't feel that you could just pull away from what God's doing because you have good reason too. But I'm telling you, this is the time to get engaged. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up my brothers and my sisters to you, all of those that are carrying heavy burdens. I thank you for revelation knowledge. I thank you for experiential revelation knowledge. I thank you, Lord, that we have not just head knowledge, but we have God revelational knowledge. We know you, God. We know you're the God of life, the author and the finisher of our faith. I thank you, Father, that you're gonna raise up and you are raising up people that are selfless, that are not so focused on their own issues of life that they can't even focus on somebody else's. You're gonna raise up burden 
carriers and people that will carry their burdens of others and, and remove the burdens of others and do what they can that's necessary to take on. Even if it feels like it's gonna smell like stink or it smells like smoke or it smells bad and it's, it's gonna inconvenience us. Whatever it takes, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that somebody's life is worth us investing ourselves in. We bless you and we thank you, God. You can trust us because we trust you. We're faithful because you are faithful. We love you because we first know that you loved us. So God, as we walk out of this place today, as we walk into a, a brand new week with our eyes wide open, our ears attentive towards you, we're looking to see where you take us, knowing you're gonna take us to places we've never seen before. You're gonna reinvent some things, you're gonna restore some things, and you're gonna give us some new things. So Father, as we walk out of this place today, we bless you with our eyes wide open in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you all.